Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. I think this is so important because so often and we've seen people on here, hey, I, you know, I've been, I, your guys are looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus. I'm looking for the blessed hope. And where's, you know, on all this, all this stuff. I, I've seen it on the comments already tonight on the comments. So what would you say to someone as well? Like, hey, when it comes to this area, you go, well, you're just looking at the Antichrist. And I think this get raised concerning your concern as, as well. Yeah, I'd say if you listen to my messages, I talk about Jesus probably 99% of the time. Uh, so that's ridiculous. Was Jesus looking for the Antichrist when he said, you'll see the abomination of desolation stand in the holy place? Was he looking for the Antichrist? No. Uh, was Paul looking for the Antichrist when he said that he'll sit in the temple of God, show himself that he is God and warn the church about him? No. Was the Apostle John looking for the Antichrist when he said in in Second uh, John that you have heard that the Antichrist is coming or Antichrist singular is coming, even now many plural are in the world? No. Was Jesus looking for the Antichrist in the book of Revelation when he spends chapters talking about what he's going to do? No. Okay. So that's a ridiculous argument. Uh, it's not even a genuine argument because if we're giving the warnings that Jesus and the apostles gave <laughs> yeah. about the yeah. coming Antichrist, and then we see the church isn't uh, prepared for the fact that he's going to come and isn't alerted, we should be saying, hey, guess what? There's a deception here. People aren't ready to face the Antichrist and aren't ready to persevere during that time. In fact, it's interesting, the early church fathers who did more than these guys writing or us for the kingdom of God in the early century, the top early church fathers, Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, they talked a lot about the Antichrist because they wanted the church to be ready. Is it because they were looking for the Antichrist? Well, guess what? Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, when you see the abomination of desolation, stand in the holy place as spoken of by the prophet Daniel, was Daniel looking for the Antichrist? Let the reader understand. Hmm. In other words, that's something, brother, who wrote that you need to understand. Oh, no, it doesn't pertain to me. I won't be here. Wrong. That's our point. You need to understand. We need to understand these things. Because guess what? Uh, in Revelation 13, the number of the beast is number of man. Let him who has understanding count the number of the beast, but the number of man is numbers 666. Understand again. We're called to understand these things. Most believers are clueless that they're even called to understand these things. So uh, I'm just going to say right now, and I say it in love, uh, to whoever wrote that, or if there was more than one, we love you guys, but guess what? You are rejecting the teachings of Jesus if you don't believe we're supposed to talk about the coming of the Antichrist. And uh, and when you look at the fact that the church is sticking its head in the sand, and they're think, thinking about coming together and now becoming one under signs and wonders, there's a huge deception coming about. And by the way, I would say this, and it's going to be one of the points we have coming up, you can't properly look for Jesus if you don't recognize what he said about the Antichrist. Because, and this brings us to the six points, so I'm glad you brought that up, Chad. Uh, Pre-trib, number six. Greece is the skids for the church to mistake Christ for Antichrist by reversing the order of events. Guess what? Because if you're teaching that Jesus Christ comes before the Antichrist, you're actually setting the church up to receive the Antichrist. Because the order that we're given in Scripture, in Matthew 24, you have Jesus warning that the end is not yet when you see these things, and then you have the abomination of desolation in the holy place, the Antichrist. But then in verses 29 through 31, Later after that, you have Christ coming back immediately 
Jesus says immediately after the tribulation, post-trib, no pre-trib rapture. There's no rapture before the tribulation there. Paul, same order. We talked about Paul's order, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Before Christ comes to gather us together, he says what's going to happen first, the apostasy and the antichrist. John, he says the antichrist is coming. We mentioned that. Revelation chapter 13, you see the antichrist referred to and talked about in his his evil ministry along with several other chapters. But Jesus doesn't come back into Revelation 19 after him. So guess what happens when you reverse the order and you say, oh, Christ is coming first before the Antichrist. Guess what? You're going to be thinking, oh, this can't be the Antichrist. This this uh, this can't be the mark of the beast. After all, you know, uh, you know, the Antichrist doesn't come till after the rapture. I haven't been raptured yet, so of course I'll take this. It's not the mark of the beast. Boom, man, you just snagged you. So uh, we know what the scriptures say and we will not be distracted from arguments that are lame. That's just a lame argument. Amen. And I think it's so unbelievably important that we get this because th this one right here may surprise a couple people that you're going to go over next uh, because I know with this one, people go, that's not true. That's not true. But I'm telling you, especially once we do our video on hyper dispensationalism, I know that people are going to say, well, I don't believe that and see that what you're saying here is quite true. Well, uh, the next thing, which is number seven, is some pre-trib leaders are teaching a lie that we could take the mark of the beast and still be saved, okay? Uh, now, let I me... I mixed up your point, just so you know. I no, mixed up okay. which point you're going over it's next. Okay. I thought, how if do you try to tie this in? I'll see, you know. But this is, this is beyond important, so I want you guys to hear this. Sorry okay. about that, but I didn't yeah. want him to think I was leading into, I, I mixed up which point he was going to get to. Okay, yeah, so this would, yeah, this would be number seven. All I've right. done that to you before, bro, no problem. <laughs> Even if I didn't, still no problem. Uh, some pre-trib teachers uh, are selling a lie that you can take the mark of the beast and you'll still be saved. Now, this is not a, uh, this is not all pre-trib teachers, but some of the biggest. Tim LaHaye uh, and Jenkins, who wrote the whole Left Behind series, uh, say, yeah, if you take the mark of the beast, you basically will always still have the soul of God in your forehead anyway. Woo, man, that's that's a damnable lie right there, okay? Because that can lead you to hell right there. John MacArthur, and I have his words. He says, now the question is, if you're living in the tribulation period and you take the mark, in other words, you identify with the beast and his empire, uh, will you be able to be redeemed? Uh, and I think he thinks, right? Uh, mm -mm. Uh, the answer to that is yes. Yes. Okay. He's saying, yeah, you can be redeemed after you take the mark of the beast. And he's talking about people that uh, reject Christ and then take the mark of the beast. Can they repent later? But there's clear prophecy in Revelation chapter 14. And we're just going to spend no longer than 20 more seconds on this because we're going to do a whole show on this in a couple yeah. weeks. So I'll just say just I'll just say this. Revelation 14, 9 through 12, it, it specifically is a prophecy that everyone, anyone who takes the mark of the beast will be damned. It's a prophetic truth because their hearts will be hardened and they'll be damned. In fact, it's in light of this that Jesus warns in verses 11 and 12, and the smoke of their torment will rise up forever and ever and there'll be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast at its image. And for anyone who receives the mark of his name, this calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands, like don't take the mark of the beast, and remain faithful to Jesus. Yes, because it's written in the church. It's addressed to the church. And during that time, we need faithful to Jesus and not take the mark. So there's a lie by top teachers that if you take the mark of the beast, you you know there'll be repentance later and people will get saved. There's not one verse that supports that anywhere in Scripture. In fact, the Scriptures prophesy the very opposite. I think this part is really important because people don't realize that the ramifications of when you go too far on something and what really takes place, and especially in this regard when it comes to hyper-dispensationalism. Yeah, and it's interesting you said too far, Second John versus, well, it's just, you know, <laughs> one chapter, yeah. verses 9 through 11, talks about those who uh, go too far and do not abide in the doctrine of Christ. And a lot of hyper-dispensationalists, and a lot of dispensationalists, too, they say a lot of Jesus' teaching is not for us. 
In fact, dispensationalists, this mainstream, say Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, that's not really for us. The book of Revelation is not really for the church as far as pertaining to us and what have you. But many of the uh, dispies, especially the hyper-dispensationalists, will say, well, there's a different gospel that will be preached during the tribulation period. Uh, and many dispensationalists say, well, right now we have the gospel of grace, but during the tribulation period, there'll be the gospel of the kingdom. And many will say, then you'll have to keep the Sabbath. You know, uh, Ruckman, who is one of the top uh, dispensationalists who spoke against hyper-dispensationalists and considered himself more of a mainstream hyper-dispensationalist, claims that, yeah, the seventh day Adventists are right, that you're going to have to keep the Sabbath and stuff during the tribulation period. Where does it say that? When it talks about those keeping his commandments, it's not talking about the commandments of the Old Testament. It talks about those who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. It's talking about the new covenant commandments. It's talking about the law of Christ. Uh, so what's, this is what's sad, is they're saying that there's two different gospels. And the Bible says there's only one gospel. And Paul says, if anyone preaches another gospel to you than that which he preached to you, let him be accursed, even if it's an angel from heaven. Well, guess what? In the book of Revelation, chapter, verse, chapter 14, verse 6, we're told that there will be an angel flying through the mid-heavens who will be preaching the everlasting gospel. And it's interesting. Are we supposed to believe that's a different gospel whereby now you're going back to the Old Covenant, which some of the dispensationalists say? Well, guess what? Many dispensationalists who believe that there's a different gospel preached in the tribulation period are going to think that they're now going to be under the law. And there'll be teachers telling them, yeah, now you've got to keep the law of Moses. And Paul said that's a different gospel. So pre-tribs are setting by saying you're not going to go through that time. But if you did go through that time, you'd have to keep the law of Moses. Have to keep the Sabbath and stuff like that. They're setting the church up for a deception and for many false Christs and false prophets that will arise at that time. And by the way, in Revelation uh, chapter 14, when the angel preaches the gospel, according to Paul, in chapter 1, verse 8, if pre if pre-tribs are right, that angel will be preaching a false gospel because Paul said, No one preach another gospel to you, even an angel from heaven, let him be a curse. Well, guess what? That angel isn't a curse because he's not preaching a different gospel. In fact, it says in Revelation chapter 14, verse 6, And I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven having an eternal gospel. It's the same gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and every nation and tribe and tongue and people. And go back to Revelation 7, verses 9 through 14, which I already referenced. You'll see this great multitude from every nation, kindred, people, and tongue. How are they saved? By what gospel? The same way we are. They've been cleansed. Their robes have been cleansed. They made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Amen. The Amen. gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. You know, they overcome him, Revelation 12, 11, by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto death. It's the same gospel. So I'm, now are you seeing why I have so many concerns? I sat down one day and just said, Lord, and prayed. And like, what, you know, I want to gather like, the concerns I had together. And I just wrote 15 of them out. I have more, as I've already mentioned, one that didn't make the list. No, I think it's 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 so important for us to get this. And and guys, I, I wanted to read this comment. That's what I was getting down because uh, a brother named Bo Edmonds wrote on the chat here that he was pre-trib until he watched our video, Left Behind or Led Astray. Praise and God, And he said Bo. he's been buying those and passing them out Praise to people. Praise the Lord, brother. He has a heart so, for the lost. And, uh, you know, and he has a heart for the lost in the church. They're not lost spiritually, but they're lost in regard to prophecy. No, amen, amen. And I think that's going to lead right in to this. But I also think it's important to point that out, like, when it comes to that documentary, that documentary was filmed all over the world. You went to Ireland and England and so forth. Mm -hmm. You did. Got to check it out, guys. We did everything imaginable from voiceover work to reenactments and so forth. So that is a, a long production, uh, and, and it's an important one. I pop it. And we go through the history of the pre-trib rapture. Margaret MacDonald, who had the idea of the secret coming and so forth. 
uh, not a preacher rapture. Some say Dr. Walter Martin, who we love and respect, who went to be with the Lord, the, the original Bible answer man, he said that it started with her. We say, no, it didn't start with her, but guess what? The secret rapture caught on from her because she definitely taught a secret rapture, which is part of the preacher rapture teaching. But it got its, it, it really came from Mark McDonald, not Mark McDonald, it really came from uh, Darby and the Irvingites, and the Irvingites before Darby, who were into all this charismania and all these false prophecies, you know? So. No, I think it's really important. Check and, that out. And this goes right along with it because you're talking about someone saying, wait a second, I recognize that what I believed was not right. And now what is he doing? He's trying to prepare the church. So, Joe, I'd love to know your next concern. Well, uh, pre-trib does not properly prepare the church to endure <laughs> to right. the end because Jesus said in chapter 1 when he addresses the church, verse 4, and the tr and seven churches in Asia, and then not just through those, through those seven churches, as we talked about in a recent show, uh, Chad, uh, you had emphasized in chapters 2 and 3, at the end of each church, there's this rejoiner. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's really for all of us, uh, the book of Revelation, to be uh, aware of what's going to happen in the future. Uh, but uh, Jesus addresses John at the seven churches in Asia, and then in Revelation chapter 22, so we're not reading someone else's mail. He says, I testify of these things in the churches. But in verse 3, right next to the verse where he says, these, are, this, these things are for the churches, uh, he says in verse uh, 3, Blessed is he that reads, they that keep, and hear the words of this prophecy. So you want to not only read and hear, but you need to keep the words of the prophecy. How does the church keep the words of the prophecy if we're not there? Makes no sense at all. And by the way, when you look at the warnings and the promises of the churches in Revelation 2 and 3, you can diagram. It's pretty heavy. It's a beautiful study. When you look at the promises and warnings of Revelation chapter 2 and 3, they tie into what takes place later in the tribulation period. Uh, because they, for instance, Jesus says, you know, you know, he that... There's some who've soiled their garments, and man, I'm going off a little bit here. But there's some who've soiled their garments there at the Church of Sardis. Uh, but uh, those who don't haven't soiled their garments, they'll walk with me in white. He says, "The overcomer, I'll confess his name before my Father and the angels in heaven, and I will not erase his name out of the book of life." So he talks about wearing our garments and not not soiling them. Then in Revelation 16:15, at the second coming at Armageddon, you know, it warns about Armageddon, and then you have this parenthetical statement from Jesus, you know, or from the the Lord that says. Blessed is the one who keeps his garments. Who keeps his garments, you know? That he may walk with me in white and that no one see the nakedness of his shame and so forth. It's like these, it all ties together the book of Revelation with the letters to the churches. And what pre-trips try to do, they try to make these separate dispensations that the Bible never makes dispensations. And they, they we need to let no man separate what God's joined together. Amen. And I think it's so important because we're talking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And a lot of people like to say, that the Sermon on the Mount is the longest sermon that, that Jesus gave. But really, when we put together the Olivet Discourse, and we really put together, yeah. you know, with Mark 13, Luke 21, Matthew 24, we see very clearly that end times, and what was going to happen there as well in 70 AD, but we see that end times are a huge factor in what Jesus is saying, and the deception is a huge factor. So I think the, the words of Jesus are really important here. So I'd love for you to share yeah, your next and, concern. And you know what? Before I go to the next concern, yeah. let me just say on top of that, because it's a great point you make. I was talking to Chuck Smith, the founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement, and we had a discussion on this in Israel. And I said, Chuck, what if we had videotape that showed who is, and then you look at all the discourse, Matthew 24, 25, Luke 21, Mark 13. What if we saw videotape of who's actually fulfilling those words, and you saw that it was the church that was fulfilling those words, then you would know that it was written to the church. Right? And he agreed. And then I said, okay, well, guess what? We already have some of those words in the Olivet Discourse fulfilled. Jesus said, when you see Jerusalem encircled by the, 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 the armies, the Roman armies, right? 
He said, don't, he goes, don't go back for anything, flee, go to the wilderness. Well, guess what? When you read church history, we understand that during the invasion by Titus and so forth from 68 to 70, when they first started circling Jerusalem, they left to go to another battle and just left some of their reserves behind. And guess who took off? The church, the Christians. The Jews aren't listening to Jesus' words, man. They, now we're talking Luke 21 here. Jesus says this, the Olivet Discourse. And it was the church. I said, Chuck, I go, we don't need videotape. We have the word of God, man. And we have church history. It was the church that fled, just like Jesus said. They were obeying the Olivet Discourse. So now we want to say, oh, but it's not really to the church. No, it's already benefited the church. It will benefit us even more greatly during the tribulation period. But a few more reasons why this is of great concern. Uh, we read in Revelation 13 about those who, uh, about how uh, believers in the Lord will go into captivity or prison and others will be killed with the sword. And then right after Jesus warns about that, he says, this calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. Much like Revelation 14, I mentioned, which says not to take the mark of the beast. This calls for loyalty to Jesus and faithfulness to his commands. Amen. So we need, so if you're not equipped with these things, you're not thinking about, you, you know, the, like the, the, the gentleman who said, or the, the, a few people, whoever they were, well, oh, you're looking for Antichrist. No, I just pay attention to what the Lord said. I'm, I'm in the scripture. I stay in the scripture all the time. I eat, breathe, and think the scripture because I love God's word. And guess what? It has a lot to say about this coming tribulation period and about getting through it. It also says there's going to be a big deception where the church isn't ready for it. So guess what? The last thing, that's like somebody, you know, that your, your, you know, your parents or kids warned about, hey, you know what? There's going to be a bad guy that's going to try to break in. We heard at midnight tonight. And a kid that doesn't want to think about it. You, you're thinking too much about that. There's a robber coming. You shouldn't even talk about it. Don't you, love, don't you love our parents? Yeah, I love my parents enough to heed their warning so I can see them and endure that time, okay? So uh, in Matthew 24, again, they'll deliver you up to tribulation, Jesus said, many will, kill, will be killed and be hated by the na your nations because of my name, by the, all the nations because of my name. By the way, that's a non-event if the preacher of rapture took place because how does that happen that all around the world Christians are being killed because of his name if they've just been raptured? It makes no sense because they're going in the tribulation. At that time, many will fall away. Uh, Jesus said, most people's love will grow cold, but the one who endures the end will be saved. Okay? Uh, and I've got quotes from, you know, Corey Ten Boom and others. Uh, Corey Ten Boom, you guys know from The Hiding Place. Uh, and I'm just going to, you know, I'll yeah, basically... Yeah, you need to read that. That's a great quote. Okay, I've got uh, I don't want to miss that one. Yeah. She, she wrote the book, The Hiding Place. Uh, she, her and her family protected Jews during the Nazi Holocaust there in the Netherlands. And she basically was put in a concentration camp with her sister Betsy. Parents, they all died, but she survived. And then she realized, wow, you know, we barely got through. And the church isn't prepared for facing the tribulation period that Jesus talked about. And the Antichrist, she wrote books like Marching Orders. And, you know, and, and she, she testified everywhere about, you know, hopefully the church would be ready. You know what she wrote as well? In China, the Christians were told, don't worry, before the tribulation comes, you will be translated, raptured. Now, she's a gal that went through much tribulation, right? So she realized how serious this is, right? Then came a terrible persecution. Millions of Christians were tortured to death. Later, millions of Christians, she says, were tortured to death. I heard a bishop from China say, sadly, we have failed. We should have made the people strong for persecution. And rather than telling them that Jesus would come first, tell the people, she says, to how to be strong in times of persecution. Uh, how to stand when the tribulation comes, to stand and not faint. In America, the church is saying, let the congregation escape tribulation. But, but in China and Africa, the, tri in, uh, the tribulation has already arrived. And we don't believe the great tribulation has arrived, but tribulation has. This last uh, year alone, uh, Corey writes, uh, more than 200,000 Christians were martyred in Africa. I know, I have been there. 
We need to think about that when we sit down in our nice houses, in our nice clothes to eat and uh, uh, our steak dinners. Many, many members of the body of Christ are being tortured to death at this very moment. It's happening right now, guys, as well. She goes on to write, Yet we continue right on as though we are going to escape the tribulation. Since I have already gone through prison for Jesus' sake, and since I met the bishop in China, now every time I read a good uh, good Bible text, I think, hey, I can use that in the time of tribulation. Then I, uh, (laughs) she says, then I write it down and I learn it by heart. Well, Sounds like some people say, oh, Corey, you should be concerned about that. No, she's memorizing what Jesus and the apostles said about that time. How could you falter for that? And she herself is saying, hey, she's been through the ringer, right? And she wants the church to be prepared. And her heart was broken that the church was prepared. And that's our heart, too. And I believe that's the message of the Spirit today is be ready for coming persecution. And right now we're fighting a westernized uh, twisting of, of the message of Christ to where we're told that, oh, his words aren't really for us today. A lot of the uh, hyper-dispensationalists and even some dispensationalists, well, those words for Jesus don't pertain to us. Revelation doesn't pertain to us. And uh, you don't really want to focus on those things. I want to focus on whatever Jesus told me to focus on. And we need to be ready uh, to endure these things. No, I think this is important for us to understand this idea of being sleepy concerning the end time. So, Joe, if you could dig into that uh, concern as well. Yeah, and then after I dig into that one, go to the one right above it. Okay. Okay. So, regarding uh, being asleep, uh, that's a a huge concern uh, because there are pre-tribs teaching that, you know what, Uh, you don't have to watch for these signs. And by the way, like I said before, when someone says, oh, you don't want to look for Antichrist, you want to look for Jesus. Jesus told us when you look for the signs he mentioned that they herald his coming. So if you're really looking for Jesus, you're looking for the things that are signs that lead up to his coming. It's almost like this. It's like you're going to Yellowstone, right? And you're driving. And the guy who's driving the car, dad, is saying, okay, I need to see this sign and this sign because it lets me know I need to go this way. And the daughter says, dad, why are you looking for those signs? That's ridiculous. Just look for Yellowstone. And dad would be like, okay, honey, you know, he understands that she just doesn't really get it. I have to look at these signs that lead us to Yellowstone. Well, Jesus gave us signs that we need to watch for that lead up to his second coming. So when you say, uh, you sound like the little girl, the little boy who says, oh, you don't need to look at those signs. Just drive to Yellowstone. No, we need to watch for the signs. But what happens is if you aren't watching for Jesus, looking for his coming, in light of the signs of his coming, you can fall asleep spiritually. And you cannot be excited about his return. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 3, he that has this hope in him purifies himself even as He is pure, and as we look forward to his return, the signs actually get us excited about the fact that he's coming. They get us fired up, you know? And it's interesting because listen to what Jesus said, and a lot of pre-tribs will disobey direct teaching from the Lord Jesus Christ, but the Bible warns that you can be asleep spiritually and you'll be doomed. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, uh, we read about the the coming rapture, uh, and he'll bring with those who had fallen asleep in Jesus physically, asleep, right? Uh, And so forth. But uh, we're told that we need to be spiritually awake, though, to be prepared for his return. In fact, uh, Dr. Doug Stoffer, who I debated on this issue of the time of the rapture, and we have that. That's free. You can watch it on YouTube. Uh, A lot of people became post-trib after watching that debate. Doug Stoffer states, quote, so what if you as a Christian, what if the church is asleep and not looking for the rapture? Now think of this in light of what Jesus talked about in regard to the ten virgins who fell asleep. And five, that sleep ended up being an eternal sleep to where they missed the Lord's return because they had no oil. He says, what about them? He says, they're still going. 
What if they're not accounted worthy? Luke 21 has nothing to do with them. Whether the Christian is spiritually awake or spiritually asleep, he says, we will be with Jesus when Christ returns at the rapture. So he's saying what Jesus warned about in Luke 21, the Olivet Discourse, has nothing to do with us. And that's the thing. It leads you uh, away from his teachings. In fact, listen to what Paul said, and you can't deny this is the church. In 1 Thessalonians, the church of Thessalonica, chapter 5, verses uh, 4 through 8. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. So let us not sleep, meaning like at night, in the darkness. Let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober for those who sleep do their sleeping at night and those who get drunk get drunk at night. And when he says it's okay to be spiritually asleep because he's OSAS, you know, uh, he believes you can be falling away asleep spiritually, not ready for the Lord's return. You get raptured anyway. No, the Bible warns uh, just the opposite. In fact, Jesus said, behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his clothes so that he will not walk about naked and uh, men will not see his shame. Because Jesus is coming back like a thief in the night. And now I said these verses tied to the churches. Revelation 3.3 3 is the church at Sardis. So remember that uh, what you've received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I come upon you. Do you understand? Even if you're pre-trib, you have to understand how we have a real concern here, okay? Because we're being told, many are being told, you can be spiritually asleep and these words about being awake, that's in the book of Revelation, that's in, in, in Matthew 24, those aren't really written to the church. And Well, I just quoted 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, you know, and they're all to the church basically. And we're being told that you can be spiritually asleep and you'll still go in the rapture. That's a lie. And a lot of people are going to be down for believing that lie. And if you have any compassion toward our brothers and sisters in Christ, you will not want them to be deceived by these lies. That's why these are concerns, very legitimate concerns. No, these are, these are really legitimate, and I guess... The most important thing also comes from who we're learning it from mm -hmm. and being obedient to their words. So I, I'm sure that'll help segue into your next Yeah, absolutely, well. because, uh, you know, the next one is a pre-tribulation can lead to disobedience to Jesus' clear teaching. So, which kind of relates to the last one, because you can look at his teaching straight in the face, man, as it is on the page and say, no, that's not for me, you know? And that's a huge concern. In fact, uh, listen to this. I'm going to read you something that is obviously in a post-trib context. It's talking about being ready for the Son of Man's coming. And it just talked about his post-trib return at the end of the tribulation and, uh, and standing before the Son of Man immediately after the tribulation, Matthew 24, 29 through 31, Mark chapter 13, and Luke 21, the same discourse, talks about his second coming at the end of the tribulation. And Jesus gives us instruction about how to persevere at that time. So we stand before the Son of Man. So be worthy, counted worthy of escaping all these things that are coming in the world and endure through them, persevere, and be saved out of them on the other end at his coming. In fact, listen to what Jesus said. Then, uh, now he's talking to Peter, James, John, Andrew. Then they will see the Son of Man come in the cloud with, with power and great glory. Okay, the visible coming, the second coming, the only real second coming. He says, be on guard so that your hearts will not be weighted down with dissipation and drunken, drunkenness and the worries of this life and that they not come upon you suddenly like a trap, like a thief, right? For it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of the earth, all the earth. Now listen to this. But keep on the alert at all times, praying. So we're supposed to be alert, praying that you may have strength to escape, okay? Ekfugo is the word there. And praying not to so you go up to preach or rapture, praying that you have strength, he says, 
That's because he wants us to persevere this time, that you have strength to escape ekphugo, and that word that's used throughout the New Testament when he's used escape, it's like used of escaping something that you have been in. Like Paul escaping the book of Acts when he was let down in the basket from a certain city, escaped the city. That's how the word that Fugo is used there by Luke, who also wrote Acts. So I think that's quite interesting. Uh, so it's talking about coming out of the tribulation. And he says, so you may escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Now, if you're pre-trib, you're going to say, well, that's not for me. That's about the second coming and so forth. And, and there's no signs to really look for and so forth. And you, well, you say, well, the pre-tribs really disregard that. Well, Dr. Doug Stoffer again, he says, I do not pray that prayer. Jesus said to pray. He says, I don't pray that prayer. No Christian should be praying this prayer. Speaking of Luke 21. That's serious, serious stuff, guys. And that's, now, Paul warned in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, about those who are seriously off, and he says, and they don't hold fast to the sound teachings of Jesus. And that's the problem with dispensationalism and hyper-dispensationalism. And I said that we believe in dispensations you know, some would call us, and I've referred to myself sometimes, you might refer to me, us as a progressive dispensationalist and that we do believe that God has a plan for Israel, that God is not done with Israel, and that he uh, worked with people under the law in a certain way, he works with the church in a certain way. But we even watch out for that term because the term could be misunderstood. We just are, guess what? We're biblical Christians, man. We're, we believe in biblical dispensationalism. Yes, God is not done with Israel. Yes, Romans chapter 11, all Israel shall be saved. And that's not talking about the Gentiles. That's talking about national Israel. That's the context. So we are, we agree with our preacher brethren. And this is one of the things where we love our preacher brethren focusing on Israel. We just say, hey, watch out. You're not focusing on, it's not just the, this coming tribulation. It's not just for the Jews. So this is all a great concern. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.